global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And this is a Bloomberg Futures Report this morning being brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers, the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. Well, look at the Fed funds futures now. Show the odds of a June rate rise from the Fed have increased to 32%. The idea of higher rates as soon as next month, also pushing the dollar higher. Mariana Kuchlakota, the former Minneapolis Fed president, told Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, central banks have uh, something of a communications problem. I think that central banks are conveying, uh, unfortunately, are communicating a sense of powerlessness. And that feeds back on itself um, to to uh, generate uh, lower inflation expectations, lower inflation outcomes. Best Buy falling in early trading after forecasting second quarter profit that trailed analyst estimates, also announcing the departure of its CFO. And Jess Staley, the chief executive officer of Barclays, says European investment banks are losing control of their own markets to U.S. rivals as they shrink and struggle to make a profit. The stock index futures rising before new home sales data that may show an improving economy. We get those figures at 10 o'clock. S&P futures right now up 10. The Dow futures up 91. The Nasdaq futures up 25. And we update the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Surveillance continues with Mike McKee and Tom Keen. Thank you very much, John Tucker. Uh, we're continuing our look here on Bloomberg Surveillance at the Federal Reserve and what it may or may not do next. And one of the questions is, how do they know what to do? Dave Stockton was a guy who, uh, for years, uh, his job was to figure that out for them. He was the former director of the Division of Research and Statistics at the Board of Governors, uh, basically the chief economist for the Fed. Dave is now with the uh, Peterson Institute for International Economics. Dave, uh, can you make a, a an economic case for the Fed to raise rates now? Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, we don't need to, but it's more of a desire by the Fed to get off the zero bound, basically get as far away from it as they as they can at the moment. So I think the economic case can be made for a rate hike, uh, at least by by end of the summer, um, on the basis of an economy that continues to grow uh, and grow above trend. I know a lot of people were uh, concerned about the weak first quarter, but I think things are bouncing back here. In the second quarter, uh, employment situation still looks strong. And despite that uh, figure that most people thought was kind of low at 160,000 last month, that actually is twice what we need to uh, absorb the increase in the labor force. Uh, so we're still growing above trend and unemployment rate that is uh, likely to drift lower. And we've seen, I think, uh, some firming of inflation in recent months. So I think the case for some small further increase in rates uh, is, is a reasonable one at this point. Is that your base case at this point, that the Fed would go ahead? They, they, at least from the sound of things, they seem rather determined. So um, my base case would be uh, I think it's a little less than 50-50 that they'll move in June, in part because uh, with the British vote uh, taking place just a few days after the FOMC meeting, I think they might be reluctant to – 
uh, tighten into a period of financial volatility. So I think they're likely to wait until July, and assuming that uh, Britain does not uh, exit, uh, they, they have a stronger case, I think, to do so then, and probably a less risky situation uh, by, by the time of their J- July meeting. Do you know, and, and I guess you probably lectured on this at Yale and Trinity uh, years ago, what actual progress means? I mean, Mike and I are still trying to figure out what a live meeting means or a dead meeting. But <laughs> yeah. what, I want to attend the dead meeting. That, that yeah. could be interesting. <laughs> what does actual progress mean, actually, Professor? So that's a good question, and uh, there's currently no uh, no clear definition of what actual progress would be. But I think uh, I would term it, at least from the Fed's perspective at this point, on two dimensions. One, they want to continue to see the labor market improve and uh, take up some of the slack. And they really want to be, I think, reasonably confident uh, that inflation is firming up. And and they've seen some actual progress, I think, on both those dimensions. Uh, So I think that's going to make... uh, make them more interested in going ahead and starting this tightening process. And in terms of, uh, hey, I attended a few dead meetings in my time at the FOMC. I can assure you <laughs> I'll bet you did. Time, uh, ones that you were just uh, dreadfully boring. But I think um, at this point, uh, they will want to keep the option open mm-hmm. of moving in July. And they've got the capability of making sure that uh, uh, the press, the public market participants are yeah. uh, ready for that. I think they've already sort of prepped the battlefield, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, of making a move in July. And, and uh, President Dudley certainly, I think, hinted at that uh, fairly strongly. Um, you know, I think my own view is that the Fed could make every meet, make a more convincing case that every meeting is live by having a press conference after every meeting. And I know, uh, you know, early on there was some resistance to that uh, at the Fed because it just looked like it would be, uh, you know, so much work and put so much pressure on the on the chair. But you know, both Bernanke and Yellen, I think, have uh, used those meetings, those press conferences, quite effectively to uh, communicate Fed policy. So. Um, you know, I don't think they're there yet, but that's probably where they should be. Well, she always looks like she's having root canal when she's talking to us in those press conferences. Uh, but how do you square her press conference after the April meeting with the Fed minutes? She was very dovish in that meeting. Yeah, so I think uh, I was, quite frankly, uh, surprised at the uh, hawkish tenor of the minutes. Uh, you know, I think uh, Chair Yellen is probably to the dovish side of the middle of that committee, uh, and some of that press conference sort of reflected that. Now, they've also, subsequent to the meeting, gotten some stronger date, economic data, at least on on the spending side of things, uh, so I think that's probably given more um, you know, more impetus to the uh, centers yeah. who are ready to move, and I think that's what we're—that's <clears throat> well, what we've been hearing more recently. Let's come back. I promise you, we'll inflict you with a discussion of negative interest rates. David Stockton with us, uh, with the Peterson uh, Institute. Mike, I saw Adam posing, posing for photo, posing, posing for <laughs> photographs in China with Chinese economic leadership. Peterson Institute yeah, is international. Smart man, they would go to there. and worldwide as well. Futures up eleven. Dow futures up ninety. We need to get the markets open. We will do that coast to coast on Bloomberg Surveillance.
We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm John Tucker. And the opening bell this morning. On Bloomberg Surveillance, along with Tom Keene and Michael McKee, and as we uh, check uh, right now the markets, uh, they are rising. Dow Jones Industrial Average in the early going up 59 points. S&P 500 right now is up about 9 points. That's a rise of 4 tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq Composite Index is up at 27 points right now. Among the stocks of moving on corporate news, we have uh, Best Buy after its CFO uh, is the, announced it was leaving and also uh, earnings missed uh, estimates uh, for the second quarter as the earnings season draws to a close. Analysts have actually moderated their predictions for a decline in the first quarter profits to 7.2 percent from a 10 percent. Among stocks uh, moving on corporate news, Toll Brothers, uh, uh, that's a rising after the biggest U.S. luxury home builder reported fiscal second quarter earnings that beat expectations. Once again, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, right now up 93 points. And that is the opening bell report. Michael and Tom. Uh, John, thanks so much. Our opening bell with the Dow up 98 points, 17,593. The VIX 15.44. The opening bell is brought to you by SEI. Imagine when investment management and asset management servicing is unconstrained by infrastructure. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business expansion at SEIC.com slash imagine. SEIC.com slash imagine. Michael? I, I just want to point out something here. Uh, you just mentioned the Dow. Now it's up 107 points, and uh, S&P is up 11 points, both of them about six-tenths of a percent. This on a day when the dollar is rising because, we're told, people are uh, beginning to accept the idea that the Fed is going to raise interest rates in June or July. Well, look at the two-year, 0.92 percent. We're talking with Dave Stockton, who's uh, now with the Peterson Institute, but the former director of research for the Federal Reserve. Uh, Dave, the big concern for the Fed in January was uh, the externalities, the, what was happening overseas, and uh, the volatility in the financial markets. We don't seem to be getting the same sort of reaction in the markets now that we had in January to the idea of further Fed activity. So I think back in January, there was a combination of factors. One, obviously, was uh, Fed tightening itself and the prospect of, of more of it. Just the Fed was telling the markets at that time to expect uh, four rate increases. Over the course of 2016, uh, the Fed's looking considerably less aggressive now. But also, I think there were amplified concerns both about the global economy and the domestic economy and just how weak things are. I think those concerns have abated somewhat. I don't think we're out of the woods on the on the global economy. And uh, as I said earlier, I think uh, the U.S. economy is looking, you know, reasonably uh, strong. So I think, uh, you know, markets, uh, I think, are going to be able to digest. Uh, some further rate hikes here. 
the Fed's going to be in a situation, uh, I, I think, you know, tightening is never going to be a smooth process. Uh, and if they move in June or July, I think they're going to pull forward, you know, maybe more tightening than uh, would normally be expected as markets revise their expectations about the, not just the current uh, um, level of rates, but the rate level of rates going forward. And I think that's going to, uh, you know, produce more tightening, maybe more tightening than the Fed will expect even at that time. Uh, and that's going to cause them to then be on pause, I think, to the end of the year. Well, one of the uh, questions that uh, Bill Dudley was asked the other day was, you know, how do you deal with the fact that if you uh, raise rates, you're going to see a tightening of financial conditions, uh, dollar rise, et cetera? And he kind of looked at the question and said, uh, that's the point. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's the point. The the issue is uh, sort of calibrating that. Uh, and I think what they saw in after their December meeting was that they got more tightening than they were expecting for that uh, 25 basis point increase. And uh, that's the issue is getting just the right amount, not too much and uh, not too little. Can they – be led around by the markets. Don't they have to, uh, at some point, just risk uh, market reaction? Otherwise, they're going to be stuck, uh, unable to move forever? Yeah, so I think you could kind of take a look at uh, the last couple of months, and uh, especially in the wake of the uh, of the most recent minutes, uh, is the Fed not necessarily feeling like they're, uh, you know, completely hamstrung by markets that aren't expecting an increase and through their communication begin to prepare the markets or revive, get the markets to revise their expectations. Uh, but they can't be, uh, can't ignore market expectations either. And, um, you know, I think uh, until those minutes, uh, they were looking at a situation where the surprise to the markets would have been so large that they would have gotten a lot more volatility than they wanted to. Now they're probably in a little more comfortable, little more comfortable position, and that's the combination of both uh, <clears throat> improving tenor of right. the data and their communications and their indication of a willingness to go ahead and move. What are their degrees of freedom right now? I mean, you've always brought a statistical bent to this. There's a theory, there's a whole belief out there, particularly among Fed critics, that they're. They've left orthodox theory and they're flying by the seat of their pants. Do you have a degree of confidence or a confidence in their wiggle room to move forward? What's the confidence they can get this done? So I think the confidence that they can get it done is going to depend largely on the data evolving in the way that they're currently expecting. Uh, if the data confirm that, in fact, the economy is improving and that uh, uh, some increase in interest rates is needed in, in order to respond to both an improving economy and some increase in inflation back towards their objective, then they, that gives them the wiggle room. If the data aren't confirming that, uh, then obviously I think in some sense uh, they're going to be stuck, and they should be. Uh, so I think it's really driven more, and it should be driven more, by economic conditions and not necessarily by just some uh, desire on the part of the Fed to normalize rates. So I think, you know, as I listened to the Fed communications late last year, it sounded to me like, they just wanted to start raising rates and to get things normalized, uh, and their default was action, and only if the data came in weaker would they stop. And mm. that's, of course, exactly what happened. And now 
I think uh, through the spring we saw just the opposite, a situation where their default was inaction unless the data caused them to move. Yeah. And now I think uh, they're seeing that and they're feeling more comfortable with the prospects of tightening. David, thank you so much. David Stockton with the Peterson Institute with a, a chat on the parlor game. You know, I, I think of Brexit and Remain, and, and Mike, it's almost like feds, fed, fed sick. In Fed Maine, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's to me almost as silly a discussion. Well, the, I don't mean uh, to make light of it, but yeah, it, to me, it's just the parlor game. Michael Barr, do you have an opinion on the Fed in June or July? Everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is just as good as everyone. Else. There we go. Very That's good. Well, That's a cheer one guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we seem to what we seem to have now, Tom, is uh, a lot of disagreement. You know, half of the economists lining up on the side of raise rates, half lining up on the side of they shouldn't raise rates. But everybody agreed they're going to, whether they should or not. Everybody seems to think they're. Going I to. defer to, among others, the good president of the New York Fed, Mr. Dudley, that they have to see what the data is. I would agree with you, Mike. The jobs report seems to be pretty important. June three. But they've got to see the data come in, right, before they make a decision. They're not going to make it like in the next day or two. You know my theory? This is an important theory. They are not waiting for data to tell them whether to raise rates or not. They are waiting for data to tell them not to. They're okay, on like course to do it. Massive type two construct. Very now, that good. could include Brexit. but Two-year yield, 0.9176. Two-year yield, 0.92%. That's a higher yield this morning. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. Here's Michael Barr with headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. A senior Egyptian forensics official is telling Associated Press human remains that have been recovered from the crash site have burns on them and are very tiny, suggesting that an explosion may have taken place on board Egypt Air Flight 804. However... The Middle East news agency disputes the report, and aviation consultant Steve Ganyard says it is too early to jump to conclusions. I would actually suggest that, that, uh, that what he's drawing his conclusions on would suggest the opposite, and that is a high-speed water impact. Egypt Air Flight 804, with 66 people on board, was flying from Paris to Cairo when it crashed into the Mediterranean. Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders says he is disappointed but not surprised by what he calls Hillary Clinton's unwillingness to debate ahead of the June 7th California primary. Sanders describes it as the largest and most important primary in the presidential nominating process. Clinton turned down a Fox News invitation to debate Sanders ahead of that primary. A Clinton spokeswoman says the campaign feels it's more important to campaign and meet directly with voters in the state. It may not be much of a mystery, but today Washington state voters will head to the polls for their Republican primary. Donald Trump has a clear field. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike Top. Michael, thanks so much. Market on a tear up 150.17644. Michael McKee and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today.